Welcome to the Waggle Dance Podcast. Three guys, Duncan, Dave and Andy. A preacher, a leader and a designer who want to explore ways to live life with a little less friction. A hive of conversation waxing lyrical on faith, family and friendship. Welcome to the Waggle Dance Podcast. Well, good evening, oblique stroke morning, oblique stroke, whatever time of day it is for you, wherever you're listening to this. Welcome, Waggle Dance crew, to the increasingly unfathomable podcast that we've called the Waggle Dance Podcast. So my name's Duncan, and I'm hosting this series of our little podcast. So sit back, relax, kick off your shoes, close your eyes, enjoy. But for goodness sake, make sure you're in the inside lane first. That would be really helpful. So anyway, I'm here with my two besties, Andy Royster Doyster Stewart and Dave Working Breakfast Cortine. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, we've had we've had an email. Oh, we've had an email from Mrs. Buttercream of Bakewell on Sea. And she writes, Dear Waitrose, Sainsbury's and Aldi. Not quite sure which one is which, but you can work that one out. I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to stay a raving Waggle Dance fan and keep listening to your podcast, it's going to need more dad jokes and fast. So, Andy, give us your best shot on a dad joke. Otherwise, we're going to lose our audience. I'm kicking off then. Yep. Right, you are. Okay, so I've got a couple. Um, I'm going to go with... What did the daddy buffalo say to his son when he left for work? I don't know. What did the daddy buffalo say to his son when he left for work? Bye, son. <laughs> that, that's terrible. Is that right? Uh, is that all right? Do you want, no. do you want the <laughs> that's criminal, that is. Do you want the, you want the second one? Then? No, save it for another day. All oh, right. Yeah, that is terrible. Go on, Dave. See if you can... Otherwise, we're going to lose Mrs. Buttercream from Bakewell on Sea <laughs> if it's, it gets any worse. Well, you see, when there's dad jokes, there's two types. So, so you could have a dad joke where, a bit like Andy's, where you ask a question. So I'll, I'll give you one of those to start with. So, so what do you call a dog that does magic tricks? I don't know. What do you call a dog that does magic tricks? A labracadabrador. Hey. <laughs> I quite like that. Yeah, labracadabrador. Or you could have, what do you call a Frenchman who wears sandals? Uh, don't know. Philippe Philop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it got more laughs than oh, mine. Here we go, here we go. Or, or it will sound as if you have dad jokes that are just kind of statements that are, or, or are facts. So, you know, the, the, the statement is, you know, I think I want a job cleaning mirrors. I could really see myself doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Good <amount. laughs> or, or what about this? This is a little known fact that I want to share with you. People in Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but people in Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> <laughs> Abu Dhabi do. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that takes me back. I used to love the Flintstones. Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. Was it, which, was it Barney Rubble who had the car that had just... It was. He had his feet on the bottom. It was a to... very environmental car. Yeah, that's great. It we was. get back to that. Which yeah. also flattened the road and yeah. anything in its path. Yeah. I suppose I'd better do my dad joke now. Go for it. Go on then. So a man runs into a psychiatrist. He says, doctor, doctor, it's my brother. He thinks he's a chicken. And the psychiatrist says, Well, are you gonna you know, you're gonna shop him, you're gonna bring him in? And the guy says, Well, no, because I need the eggs. What? <laughs> 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 it's a bit mad, I know. Listen, anyway, let's move on from dad jokes. 
Um, I hope that satisfied Mrs. Buttercream from Bakewell on Sea. Um, we're recording this little podcast in the summer of 2021. And despite all these recent lockdowns and all the restrictions that have been going on all around the world and certainly here in the UK, Dave, Andy and myself, we've decided it's still not too late to have a cracking 2021, a great rest of the year. So we're going public. We're going public on some manifestos, if you like, for a better life beyond COVID. We don't want to come out worse from COVID. We want to come out better. So we're going to make these public declarations of intent, if you like, to do life better. And our hope is that as we talk about our public declarations of intent, as we lay out our manifestos, it'll inspire you to do the same. So Dave, remind us before we dive into this material and before you and Andy unveil your um, public declarations of intent, your manifestos, what are we talking about on the pod today? So today it's all about working smarter rather than harder. It's as simple as that. So this one is all about how do we get the work-life balance right? Okay. Mm, interesting. Let me set the scene because I'm int- I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it because I know it's so different. Dave, you work every day in a big company with hundreds of employees. You're the boss of that. Um, whereas Andy works on his own at, at home, both just as busy as each other, but in very different scenarios, both family men. So I'll be very interested to see what your uh, manifestos are. But let me set the scene and let me be a little bit controversial with this as I tend to try and be. You've, I'm sure you've heard through the years that um, management mantra of work smarter, not harder. We've all, um, we've all heard it and it's become a mantra in this kind of stress-filled work, working world that we all live in. And we all get the sentiment, it's no good just sweating and working harder. We could be smarter about the way we're working. But honestly, I don't think working smarter is enough. I think it's about working healthier, not harder. And I'll tell you for why. I think I've come across, and I'll explain it in a minute, I think I've come across a way of working that isn't just smart, but is healthy and sustainable. But before I dive into that, I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible about a leader, an incredible leader, who was working hard without a shadow of a doubt. And he was working somewhat smart, but he certainly wasn't working healthy and he certainly wasn't working sustainably. His name's Moses. He was the leader of God's people. He led two million Israelites, God's people, God's chosen people. He led them out of captivity in Egypt and he was leading them towards uh, the promised land. And as the leader in Exodus chapter 18, if you want to read the story for yourself, in Exodus 18, as the leader of all these people, he would sit down from morning till night, till night, the Bible says, and he would listen to the disputes that, uh, that people came to him with. Sometimes they were little disputes, like, you know, he's nicked my football. And no, it's my fault when he would sit and, and, and talk about those little disputes and maybe the biggest dispute, you know, he's stolen my wife, you know. So uh, Moses, it was an important job that he did. But he, Exodus 18 says he took his seat doing this from early in the morning till late at night. And you can just imagine that line, two million people. Can you imagine everybody with a dispute lining up every day, waiting to get their dispute resolved by Moses? Totally, I mean, right heart, but totally ineffective and a totally inefficient way of working. And so one day, brave little Moses decides to invite his father-in-law, Jethro, to come to work with him. I don't know if you would ever do that, but I mean, to invite your father-in-law to come and see what you do at work is a pretty brave thing to do. And uh, Jethro comes and sees what Moses does, sitting there every day with loads of people in line waiting to get their disputes um, sorted. He sees what Moses is doing. You know what he says to Moses? He says, you're mad. 
In fact, I wrote down actually what he says in Exodus 18, verse 14. He says, what are you really accomplishing here, Moses? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? And so Moses had become this bottleneck, if you like, in a system that was broken, unhealthy and dysfunctional. It was wasting Moses' time. It was wasting people's time. It was wasting everybody's energy and it was wearing everybody out. And so Jethro actually says in Exodus 18, he says, this is not good, Moses. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. So Moses wasn't working healthily. I mean, somewhat smart, trying to resolve disputes, certainly working hard, but he wasn't working uh, healthy. Um, what I like about this, actually, what I think this is great, is Moses is actually incredibly teachable. And the leaders that I'm drawn to are leaders that are humble and teachable enough to say, I don't know all the answers here. So he invites his father in order to come in and make comment on the way he's working. But in verse 24 of Exodus 18, it says this, Moses listened to his father, father-in-law's advice, because Jethro gave him some new ideas of what he could do. And he followed his instructions. I love that about a leader, a leader of all the people who would listen to his father-in-law say there's a healthier way of doing this. But let me get on to what I was trying to say with that as a backdrop. Here's the truth about all working environments. People often leave smart organizations, but they rarely leave healthy organizations. When you've got a healthy organization, it's so sticky that you just want to be part of it on a regular basis. And no matter how smart and clever and flashy the uh, another organization might be people still leave those but there's something attractive about a healthy organization and i think i've stumbled across a way of working that isn't just smarter but it's actually healthier full disclosure dave and andy and anyone else listening to this podcast last week my the organization i work for which is the first for the foster network uh, we, we work in conjunction with north point community church and they paid for me to be trained to become a working genius consultant stroke facilitator Um, and this working genius model is a healthy way of living and working Um, and it's the brainchild of a guy called Patrick Lencioni have you heard of Patrick Lencioni yeah Yeah, he's he's written books like the advantage and the five dysfunctions of a team genius guy Um, and he's he's developed just in the last six or so months he's developed this thing called the working genius which so impressed me. And so they've trained me to become a consultant in, into it. And it's all about helping people not work smarter, certainly not work harder, but work healthier. Um, and it suggests, I love this, it suggests um, six different types of gifts or talents or geniuses that are needed by any group of people who are trying to accomplish something. I've got them in this piece of paper here. You have a look at them while I'm talking about them. But you know, whether you as a family are planning a family holiday or whether you're planning an extension on the house or you're going to redevelop the garden or whether you've got a new product or a new program you want to introduce at work. He says that there are these six working geniuses um, uh, that you, you need in order to get anything done. Let me really quickly run through each of them because he says that out of these six working geniuses, you, Dave, you, Andy, and me, all of us listening to this, two of those working geniuses will come naturally to us. And we call them working geniuses. They, they give us energy. They give us joy. We could do it until two o'clock in the morning and we'd still be fired up because they're geniuses to us. They come naturally. But he also says two of those, those geniuses are also frustrations. He calls them the working frustrations. In fact, you do them for 10 minutes and all the joy and all the energy gets sucked out of them. You know, you, you don't want to do it because it frustrates. You know what those things are. Mm. They just frustrate you. And then in between... 
There are things that he calls working competencies. Two of them are your working competencies. You can do them. They don't give you a lot of joy. You can do them um, if you have to. You're okay at them, but you couldn't do them for a sustained period of time. So, so let me just run through these that sheet of paper I gave you. Because as I run through them, if you're listening to this on the podcast and, and you two boys sitting in the studio here with me, um, try and figure out without, because there's an assessment you do online, but without doing the assessment, try and figure out which of these two or which two of these six are your working geniuses. I talk about them. The first genius is the genius of wonder. So if you're going to start a project like decide that the core teens are all going to go on holiday, somebody with a genius of wonder will say, we haven't had a holiday for ages. We need to go on holiday. Wouldn't it be a great idea? See, people with a working genius of wonder, they ponder possibilities and opportunities ahead. And what happens then is somebody with the genius of invention will come in and say, yes, that's a great idea. And they start to invent new novel ideas. We could go to Disneyland on holiday. We could, you know, we could go to Chroma on holiday. We could go to Brighton on holiday or we could go to a Greek island on holiday. All of those things are possible. Um, I've been to Chroma. There wouldn't be much wonder if yeah. you went to Chroma. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. You do a bit of crabbing while you're there. If somebody comes up with a possibility, the, the, the person with the genius of invention says, here's a whole bunch of ideas of what we could do. And then you need to throw it back to someone who's got the genius of um, discernment. Because they'll say, yeah, you know, Chroma, it could well rain. That might not be a great idea. Greek, uh, Greece at the moment, where there's lots of fires going on there and it could be it could be problematic. Maybe this would be a better place to go. Maybe this would be a better way for us to do a holiday. I just feel it in my gut that this is the best thing to do. That's the genius of discernment. And so when you've done those first three, when you've wondered about possibilities and you've invented some ideas and discern which the best idea is, then you need someone who's going to galvanize, someone who's got the genius of galvanizing. They stand on the stage. They rally the troops. They inspire people to get organized and move forward. The genius of galvanizing. And so when everyone's galvanized about this idea and saying, yes, let's do it. It's fantastic. We've come up with this idea. Then you're going to need someone with the gift of enablement. Because that person will say, right, leave it with me. You're going to need someone to figure out flights, flight times, hotel accommodation. I will sort all that out. Don't, don't, let, don't expect me to come up with any ideas. I'm not good at that. But you tell me what needs doing and I would love to just go and do it. That's the gift of enablement. And then finally, the genius of tenacity is this ability to push things over the finish line. So I don't know about you. I don't have the genius of tenacity. So I write to-do lists. And, you know, if I ever strike the, the ones off that I've done, it's just a bit of luck, really. But people with the gift of tenacity or the genius of tenacity, they just love to strike things off. The t it's done. I've finished it. I've got it over the line. So here's my promise to you, boys. If you haven't done this already, you might well have heard of this genius, the working genius thing and done the test. But I will give you a code that enables you to do this working genius test assessment. It takes you about 10 minutes for free. And next time when we get together over a meal at Andy's house, we can talk about our different geniuses and how they work together. Brilliant thing to do with the family. Brilliant yeah. thing to do with your team as Love well. Love to do that. Um, yeah, well, we, we can do that because the, the results will help you to work more healthy, not just smarter, certainly not harder. In fact, actually, it actually helps you to get more done in less time because you're doing the things that give you energy mm. rather than slogging away the things that frustrate you. And the other great thing about doing this as a team that I've discovered, and it, it creates a healthier team environment, so teams can work healthier, is you haven't got to feel guilty anymore. So imagine we were a team working, you know, and Dave was the boss, and Dave keeps giving me this task to do, and I keep feeling guilty about 
not wanting to do it and not being very good at doing it because Dave doesn't, doesn't know what my working genius is and he keeps giving me things that are my working frustrations, but we haven't figured that out. And so I feel guilty because I can't do it and I don't want to do it. And then the other hand, we might look at Andy and we might think, you know, why is Andy on this team? He never comes up with a new idea. It's always me and Dave that come up with ideas. Why doesn't Andy come up with them? Well, that might not be his working genius. So I don't have to judge other people on the team. I don't have to feel guilty about where I fall, fall short. So everything feels just so much healthier. So, so I think it's not so much about working smarter, if I'm honest. It's certainly not about working harder. It's about working healthier. And that affects our family life. That affects our working life. So just looking at that sheet of paper I've passed around and listened to me talk about those six working geniuses, what would you say were your, just feeling out before you do the assessment? What would you say, Dave, what would you say were yours? So I think for me, um, the one that stands out would be the genius of galvanizing. Mm. So I think the idea of rallying, inspiring and organizing others to the following action. I think that's that's probably sounds sounds like that's in my sweet spot. Um and and yes, yeah, sort of a cross between the genius of wonder and the genius of invention. So I think, you know, tend to be partly because of my role, but partly because that's what I enjoy. So the whole kind of uh, vision casting yeah. is something that, that I think I can I can do so that sort of cuts across those two. But I've known like, you for twenty years, Dave, and I think I, who knows until you do the assessment, and I might be completely wrong. But what I've seen in you is is you 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 start the thing off. You wonder about possibilities. I don't have that at all. I need someone to do that, and then I'll invent. I love ten or fifteen or twenty ideas before breakfast. Um, so wonder is is my working competency. I can do it, but it doesn't give me a lot of energy. And I think wonder is your genius, but it'd be very interesting for you to do it and, and, yeah, it would and be. see. But you see, if you did this as a team, <clears throat> so we did it, the team that I work in, and we've noticed that on our team, we are really strong in all of the top four, but we're not strong in enablement and tenacity. So things don't get over the line like they should sometimes. So it helps us to think about, you know, mm. how do we, how do we, now we're aware of that. How do we work differently? Who do we need to bring in? to fill that gap up so that we That's can good. be just healthier as a team. How about yeah. you, Andy? What you... Well, first off, I, I think the idea that you've got the word genius on your business card is just perfect. <laughs> I've <laughs> yeah, thought about it for it. years. <laughs> I've thought of it for years. Um, I think you could stop the podcast there. I mean, it's fantastic. But um, in terms of where do I fall on those, um, well, I'm paid for a living to, to help people kind of solve communication challenges. So I would say... The genius of invention, original and novel ideas and solutions. That's probably that, that headlines for me. But also the um, discernment. Because, of course, when you talk about design and visual communication, you could take it in just about any direction. Uh, in fact, it can be quite confusing. So I think that one, the gift of intuitively and instinctively evaluating ideas. I think that for me. Um, and I wonder why that's over the years, why you and I have worked together so well. Mm. Because I'll come up with all the ideas, but I need someone to say, that doesn't feel right, but that yeah. one's brilliant. Let's run with that. Right. And that's why I've lent into you for those things. Yeah. So imagine if we were a team and wonder really was yours, mm. Dave, and you start talking about possibilities. And I start going, yes, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. And Andy was going, yeah, but that, that maybe not, but this we could. Yeah. It, I mean, wow. And so what, you know, what a lot of teams that I'm working with, 
using this this thing. What they're doing is every time they have meetings, they'll actually put it in the diary. Next Tuesday staff meeting, it's a WI meeting, not Women's Institute, <laughs> but it's a wonder and invention meeting. So don't be bringing your tenacity. Don't be bringing your um, uh, enablement, enablement yeah. or discernment. We don't want you to say, oh, that's not a good idea because we're just, you know, yeah. next week is going to be the discernment and the galvanizing it's meeting. It's good. Um, really good so yeah and when i've worked with teams i've got them to actually when when we've done calls on zoom i've actually got them to put their like i'm ig invention and galvanizing so on zoom it says duncan banks ig so as we're having a discussion i know yeah that people know where i'm strong and i need to look at who's discernment i might have come up with three or four ideas and then oh andy's got discernment so andy what do you think about these ideas and it just means it's a healthier not just smarter not just harder, but a healthier way it's of... It's a great working. idea. It's brilliant. It's, it? Yeah, really like that. Yeah. Really like that. Well, anything I can do to help with that, and I would love... I'll give you the codes. Thank you. We'll, we'll do the, the assessment, and then we'll talk about how that fits. I think what we should do beforehand, though, is um, you obviously know yours, um, and you, you've just shared that with us, uh, but we, we could have a, have a guess and see what uh, Dave and my two strengths are. Yeah. We could have a bet on it, couldn't we? We could, we could yeah, yeah. Discernment and tenacity. There you go. I reckon those two. Yeah, Duncan, absolutely amazing. Good, fantastic. Good. Well, listen. So this idea of smarter, not harder, then healthier, not not harder. Andy, what have you been thinking when it comes to this? What's your? I want to know what your personal manifesto. Yeah. Out of COVID, out of lockdown, out of all the restrictions. Mm. When it comes to working better than you're working now on your own in this studio. Yeah. um, Tell us what's your personal manifesto. So. Yeah, I, you've already highlighted. I think Dave and I are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to um, yeah, working smarter, not harder. Although we both work in teams, um, I work quite independently. So th- this was a fascinating topic for me to dig into. But just before I dive into this topic, in episode three of the Waggle Dance podcast, you know we were talking about adventure? I know mm. I'm digressing here, forgive me. But, you can remember uh, back that far. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. And Dave, um, you mentioned that well, I you... I think he has the diff gift of digressing <laughs> he is That's, the director of digression yeah, uh, yeah. He, he takes us off in in areas we were never expecting to go it's yeah. where you so find things though i'm you already can... looking forward to wandering back to episode three yeah tell us a bit about this adventure well, Dave, in episode three you mentioned that you were going to go on a scotch adventure you were going to climb a mountain with rose your eldest daughter and how did that go did you did you did you crash the peak yeah so brilliant we, love to hear about it we had a wonderful time um we stayed at two fabulous resorts. One was called the Peebles Hydro Hotel, which was just just wonderful, really well looked after. And just outside of the Glentress Forest Park. So, yeah, we could go mountain walking. I did a map my run to go for a run, uh, which is like a little app you can download and it, they give you runs that other people have gone on. So I thought I'd follow the three and a half mile run, which was great. Hadn't realized that probably I should have worn mountain boots rather than running shoes. So I did, I must admit, that was more of a run walk rather than a run. But yeah, so so we had a great time in Peebles and then and then we went up to Creek, to, again, the Hydro Hotel there, part of the same group, which was just stunning and fantastic. And yeah, we did loads of good fun things. We did, we rode out on segways. Um, yeah. My wife managed to put a Segway down the side of the mountain, so we had some fun oh, trying to oh. haul that back up. Um, that, do you know? But, without it is not. I'm not making this up. This is true. The this is true. The man who invented the Segway died by going over the side of a mountain <laughs> on a Segway. Really? Absolutely, God's honest truth. Google it. Yeah. It's true. Well, 
thankfully, um, yeah, Miranda was. Uh, she still, she bailed just before it went yeah. over the cliff. Yeah. And the Segway survived as well, so actually it was okay. You got your deposit back. But yeah, no, no uh, we, all, we all managed to, uh, to walk a mountain for the day. And, Brilliant. Um, yeah, it was, it was as wonderful and mm. uh, fun. And actually, even my youngest daughter, that wasn't really looking forward to this, mm. admitted at the end that actually it had been quite a sense of achievement to have uh, got to the top of the mountain and back down again, which we, which we did when we were in, um, in Peebles. So, yeah, no, it was... It proper was, adventure. Um, it was, proper oh, adventure. That's we had great. a lovely time. That's great. So now I've digressed, I'll get back on track, shall I, Mr. Banks? Genius, Mr. Banks. So if you were to Google smarter, not harder, how many results do you reckon you'd get? Nearest million. Oh, nearest million. Nearest million. Just five, so I'm way out. Dave, what do you reckon? Um, Seven million. Forty million. Forty million. So I did that through them all. What's that? Every single one. <laughs> Actually, I did the top that five. That would mean the gift of tenacity. I tell you what, that'd they be would. that'd be yeah, some gift, wouldn't it? Yeah, Going yeah. through, for, yeah, I'd be an old man by the time I reached the end of that list. But to be fair, the five, the top five were pretty good. So the top five, I just want to share those with you. Delegate more. Focus on impact tasks. Take a break. Front load your week, and eat the frog. Eat the frog. Eat the frog. Have you heard of that before? No. Dave, have you heard of a eat? bit of boiling the frog? But Bo- not oh, the frog. okay. Eat the frog. Do the toughest task first at the top of the day. Oh, that's good. The one you've got no motivation to do. Eat the frog. Rest of the day is going to look a bit better. I mean, admittedly, you, yeah, it's, it's not a straightforward thing to do. Eat the no. frog, but take the toughest one, the one that needs your full attention. So, uh, yeah, they, they were the top five. I also found a quote. So, and then I'm going to get really. Am I, am I allowed to not agree with that? What? Eat the frog. Yeah. You, of course. You're a genius. I don't think it's a great piece of advice. No? Eating the frog. No. Do the toughest task because, first. Well, it all depends. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting discussion. I am very much a morning person. Okay. Somewhere between about seven o'clock and midday is my best time. My The time that I have most energy to get tasks done. Yeah. But you might be an afternoon person. You might you know, not get up till 11, but you work really well after lunch in the afternoon. You might be an evening person. You know, one of these students who pushes mm. all-nighters. Maybe the best time for you to eat the frog is eight o'clock at night. So context is important, isn't I it? Think it? Or the really way that you is. work to find find it yeah. when you're high high energy or you're you're, you're feeling ready for anything, just yeah, about yeah. anything. Okay, because for me the most difficult thing is sometimes getting through emails, and yet yeah. that's not the most productive thing to oh, do. No. I should put those off till the afternoon. Okay, what I need to do is to do the, the thing that, that I'm most creatively able to do at that time and sure. adds the most values. So anyway, yeah. just. Yeah. No, that's good. It's good. So I also found a quote, and then I'm going to get super personal, which is really what this manifesto is about. So hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. Hey, yeah, that's <laughs> true. So that was by Sam Ewing, an American baseball player. So talking of turning up, this episode is less on the side of a Google list. It's my personal declaration yeah. of intent when it comes to working smarter, not harder. So like me, if you're listening, you might work independently. And in a moment, you're going to hear from Dave, my buddy, who is the boss of hundreds of people. And I just wonder if Dave's declaration of intent might look similar or different to mine, but you're going to find out soon. Do you know what he's going to say? Oh, yeah. I've read all of his notes. Have you? No. All right. Uh, so in a short space of time... <laughs> I want to share my manifesto when it comes to working smarter, not harder, as an independent creative. So first I've got a question for you, Dave and Duncan. The British Army have an adage, a short statement of truth when it comes to achieving objectives, called the seven Ps. Any ideas? Seven Ps. 
Persistence is that one of them? Okay, it's um, perseverance. Uh, no, and no, actually, no. there are, there are two versions. There's a raw version and a slightly censored version. So um, Dave edits these podcasts, so I can tell you both, but you might only hear one. So you ready for the first one? Piss poor planning promotes piss poor performance. Ah, that's the one. That's the first one, which you might not hear. Or the second one is proper planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm not in the military, but you can't deny it. No. And we've both, you know, all all three of us have experienced those events where not enough planning has taken place yeah. or not enough preparation has taken place. And so you end up at a different destination. Yeah, that's good. Um, so in 10 seconds, here's my declaration of intent when it comes to working smarter, not harder. You ready? Yep. Plan your day. Prioritize your actions, get a routine, manage your time, learn to delegate and say no more often. Yeah. Oh, and take a break. And if you have got a dog, take take your dog for a walk yeah. or tickle your cat. You know, these little pauses in the working day really help you to kind of process stuff away from the cold face. Can I and, ask you? Can I ask you a question? Of course. What, maybe it's just the age I'm at. You know, middle age. We're all kind of that middle middle fifties. Late fifties, except for you, Andy. Early 50s. Um, but it's just beginning fifties. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it so hard for blokes like us to say no? Because that was I like that. That was the last on your mm. list. You know, planning's important, but say no more often. Yeah. Is it? Is it just an ego thing that we say yes to? I, the number of times I'm doing something, I'm thinking, why did I ever say yes to this? It's a it's a great question. I mean, I, I I'll jump in and I'd love to hear what Dave um, has got to say. I think saying no is really there's a finality to it. No suggests that you haven't got a solution or that you're not prepared to commit. So I think no um, just doesn't sound terribly positive, actually, no. does it? Whereas um, it it can be an enabler because it can mean that you're focusing on um, other things that are perhaps more important or a greater priority. Um, Do you find it hard to say no, Dave? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was, yes, I do. But I think partly that does depend on the roles. So I think if you're in a leadership role, um, you know, part of this is leadership by example. And so sometimes it depends who's asking you, doesn't it? But if it, if it is someone on my team, um, you know, I see my role as a leader ultimately to enable and support them to do yeah. what it is that they want to do. So to go and listen and say, no, you're going to have to work that out for yourself. Mm. Um, or I'm too busy. You know, I try to create a culture where, where, you know, I would always describe my job is to, is like the goalkeeper of the organization. If we were a football team, you know, I'm, I'm stopping the bad stuff hitting the back of the net and I'm, and I'm there trying to help them start to play. Start to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so therefore, saying no doesn't really work in that in that environment. Mm. I think, um, having said that, there are situations. You know, there will there will be times when we will will often say genuinely, if there's a contract that we don't think is going to work, then we have to say say no to yeah. in that in that sort of yeah. circumstance. So there have been times when we've been offered the chance to to run facilities, and and we've said. No, and then yeah. going back to working genius, that that's where this this idea of somebody wonders about possibilities and everyone gets excited, and then someone with a gift of invention says, mm. oh, "Here are three or four, or five or six things we could do." Yeah, that's when you need to push it to the discernment. Don't just go Absolutely. ahead and do it. Push it to the yeah. person with discernment yeah. and say, "What do you think here?" 
And that that's sometimes I need those discerning people in my life yes. to say, this opportunity's jumped up. Do I say yes or no to it? Yeah. You know, and the discerning person could say, well, right now, I don't think it's a, it's just another thing. And yeah. I, I, Becky, who works with me in our organization, she's, she's my discerning. Is she person. a genius as well? She's a genius. Everybody she is a genius. genius Everybody has two geniuses and she's so good at discernment. Yeah. I'll, I'll say to Becky, what do you, what do you think about this? And she'll yeah. say, well, you know, it's nice to do it, but what, how does that help us in the long run? Yeah. And yeah. she's absolutely right. Nine and a half times out, if not 10 times out of yeah. 10. I think the other thing about saying no as well, what's the, the art of negotiation? Um, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, most of us, fortunately, are not in those situations where, you know, we're negotiating with a, in, in a critical situation, um, although many people are. And it's never say no, you know, to, to the, uh, you know, in the negotiation environment, but mm. possibly the maybes or we could consider that or, you know, it's, 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 um, it's worth considering, but also being honest as well yeah. about these things. That's no, good. So go then, Andy. Remind us. Remind us. What is your declaration? Well, your yeah. Manifesto? Just before I land on that, yeah, there's, if there was one thing, one priority for me as an independent creative, it's to understand what I'm aiming at. That's good. To then pile into that ambition, bring all I have to bear. You know, uh, the wonder, the the genius of discernment, galvanizing. You know, just to really kind of bring it together. Um, to bring all I have into and commit to the projects mm. that I'm working on. Um, so you've already kind of touched on the variety of, 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 of you call them geniuses, um, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six different uh, constituent yeah. geniuses. And what you're saying is that individuals have two primaries. Well, um, when we're working together or working on a shared ambition, often uh, it requires people with a different set of skills, complementary skills or competencies. And I think that's really important to recognize where my limits are and understand where I need to draw people in. Um, and you used an example of, you know, of planning a holiday, for instance, or, you know, might be building a house. You know, you need the architect, the quantity surveyor. So for me, it's, um, it's understanding, you know, the bigger picture of what skill sets and competencies and commitments you need in order to achieve a particular um, ambition or dream you need a team to uh, fulfill the dream Would you like that the dream mm -hmm. team yeah the dream team so my declaration of intent um when it comes to working smarter not harder i've got to tell you guys something oh, this is really important dave duncan you are your greatest resource mm. you the listener you are your greatest resource i am my greatest resource so i've got to take care of myself yeah you know i've I've got to keep myself in balance. And Duncan, when you talk about a healthier, less smarter environment, I'm totally with you on that because um, that's about taking care of yourself. And that's the right thing to do. And actually, it might even be the smart thing to do, I think, as well. So I really connected with that idea of, of, of a healthy environment. Yeah. So um, in our last episode on health, I talked about eating all the cake or drinking all the beer and the wine in one sitting. Do you remember? Yeah. About not discounting your future self. Well, why? Because your future self has to deal with that, um, with today's decisions. Um, and I don't think that's the smart thing to do, to eat all the cake or drink all the beer. You know, it's not mm. generally. Um, so uh, I'm also not perfect. As my wife points out quite frequently about some of the things that I suggest and say, um, I could also do with bringing into practice on a more frequent level. So um, we all have different tolerances, capabilities um, and capacities. And it's about progress. Yes, it's about profit. Yeah, it's about the pursuit for sure, but not at any cost. So to eat well, sleep well, exercise Spend time off devices. That was the one that Andrew went, yup. Yeah, um, so also get in nature. I mean, Dave's adventure in Scotland, fantastic. You know, you, you fill up, don't you? 
um, and uh, hanging out with good people, which is something that kind of coming out of COVID that the three of us have got together and we're, we're now in episode uh, five, season three, and I have loved sharing that with you guys. I learn a huge amount. So to bring this into land as a designer and writer, I solve problems for a living. I nearly said that right, problems for a living. Uh, but actually, do you know what? All of us do that. All of us solve sure. problems yeah. for a living. Uh, and we want to do that to the best of our ability with a commitment. So um, when it comes to working smarter, not harder, ask the right questions. What am I aiming at? What am I doing that I shouldn't be? What could I do differently? Is there a better way? Has someone done it before? And perhaps the most important one for me is uh, set up my schedule so it's the best possible day I can have. Yeah, that planning aspect is yeah, really important. Yeah, so that's that's my declaration. Yeah, um, when it comes to smarter, not harder. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Dave, what jumps out from what Andy said to you? Yeah, I think there's a theme that will sort of pick up in mind about the whole the whole planning of the day and yeah. that kind of thing. I think mm. is really is really um, relevant. It was sort of something when I was looking at what 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 I was going to think about for this podcast that's something that you know i'm going to talk about a bit more um you know i want to share my ideas so that really resonated with me and i think um yeah i, th I think it is that whole element of of recognizing what the role is that we are doing and trying to focus on doing that and not get distracted by by the other stuff yeah that yeah can sometimes yeah. set us off course yeah yeah i love what you said about devices as well that's a healthier way of working smarter isn't it you know there's a there's a brilliant battery saving way you know every iphone has a a brilliant way that not many people know about to save battery and that's to put it down <laughs> yeah you know, or turn it off it yeah. saves oh, the battery right. well. exactly yeah. and that, i just think that constant distraction it is it drives my wife mad it's the well. number of pickups that we do in a day you know the interactions with the piece and it's interesting smart is smartphone putting the smartphone down yeah, is the smart thing to yeah. do. Do you see what I did then? I do. Like and it's hard, isn't it? Because it's, you know, your life's around your phone. And it's hard mm, for me because I work yeah. with people from around the world. So I work with Australia and America and Latin America as well. And uh, so I'm, you know, for them, they're just getting up or going to bed. And it's in the, and my phone, I, unless I'm yeah. turning my phone off at night, it goes off all through the night oh. as well. So it's, um, putting that smartphone down could make yeah. a big difference you know what? i'm really glad you something you didn't say i don't think you said i never heard you say and i've got to be careful because dave might talk about this but this idea of balance i get so fed up with people telling me i need to live more back you know i don't balance just doesn't feel right there are times i want to run with my passion i want to be exuberant i want to find out what my genius is and lean into it and love every minute and let it give me joy and give me energy. I don't want to just live this balanced yeah. life. Balance sounds comfortable and boring. Balance also, but on the other hand, yeah. I don't want to be exhausted. And, and, and Well, know. what's the opposite? It's out of balance, isn't it? So on a spectrum of, um, of order and disorder, there's a kind of middle ground. It, and it's a fine line that we walk. So I, I love the idea of you know being all in and, and, and passionate about the things that we do. Uh, but at the same time... Um, for our own sense of well-being and, and and sustainability it is about um balance of not wor working all the hours god sends or actually leaving our smart devices um in uh, you know in the kitchen when we go upstairs to bed yeah. um so but i i see i think perhaps perhaps the two could run in parallel yeah yeah, yeah that's good hey that's been great and i'm going to hold you to that um 
declaration. Thank um, you. It'd be great just to see how you go on. But yeah, I think both me and Dave have taken away that. And I hope you have, if you're listening to this podcast as well, this idea of planning is what gives you uh, a lot more traction for your day. And so you, you end up working smarter, working more healthy. Uh, aren't you fascinated, Andy, to hear what Dave's going to have yeah. to say? Yeah. Do you reckon we've covered any of it? I reckon we've hit most of it. I think he's just going to close in prayer and we'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Dave. Tell us, tell us, what's yeah. your public declaration of intent when it comes to Mr. Dave Cortine, the, the director of um, what, 400 staff and 30 plus clubs and 11 plus spas and all the rest of it. You know, you're a busy, busy man up and down motorways. We're recording this podcast at um, it's nine o'clock at night now and you've you know, you've driven back from Shrewsbury to Suffolk today and, uh, you know, you're, you're the busiest man around. So I'm fascinated to know, you know, you can go and walk the dog, Andy. You can take a break. What, now? No, but do you know what I mean? No, I you do. Could I do know exactly what you mean. But you're your own boss in a sense. Whereas yeah. Dave has got hundreds of people who are relying on him. So how do you work smarter, my friend, and not harder? So it's interesting, isn't it? I think when, um, when I told Miranda, my wife, that what the topic was for tonight and, and that, she immediately thought to say, "Well, I presume it's going to be, you know, you're going to, you're going to work less, and you're going to, you're going to devote some time and uh, to, to family and other things." And I think we talked about that in the in the third episode we did. that Andy referred to, when we talked about, you know, I want to live life with more adventure. So I mm-hmm. think the importance of what I do away from work, I talked about, I talked about then. And, you know, there's so many often oft-quoted phrases that we could throw in here, but I think the one that I can always remember is everybody always says, you know, be careful about how many hours you work. I can hear my both my mum and my <laughs> late dad telling me this. Um, and be careful how many hours you work because, you know, you shouldn't, it's not all about work. And nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spent more hours yeah, in the office. So and true. that is all true. I completely get that. Um, but... I listen to other podcasts and I want to start my little story or inputs with with um, a tale from another podcast that I listen to that's one of my favourites. It's called The Tennis Podcast and it's three guys. One's a commentator for uh, Five Live on tennis, a guy called David Law. It's Catherine Whitaker, who's a tennis presenter for um, uh, Eurosport and for Prime Video and uh, they work alongside Matt Roberts, who's... Yeah, recently graduated, loves tennis, works with them on the program. And they're three friends and they just chat about tennis and they, they produce about 100 of these podcasts a year. You'd be amazed that there's so much they can talk about with tennis. But I really enjoy listening to them. I love tennis and it's great to listen to them chat and have the banter a bit kind of, kind of similar to the format that, that we have in terms of the banter between them. And they were talking about, uh, they, were, they were doing a recent one, I was about um, where listeners could put in their questions. And one of the questions that they were asked was, do you now watch tennis differently now that you do it for a job, rather than just do it as a fan? And, and I found, and it was knowing that we were talking about this today, I found their response was fascinating because they admitted that to an extent, basically the conclusion of their conversation was that yeah, to an extent, they would watch tennis slightly differently because they know they've got to talk about it. So there's a degree of analysis and interpretation that that they would be watching out for that they wouldn't do if they were just a fan. But primarily, all three of them said that, you know, ultimately we love tennis and it doesn't detract from our love of the sport or our 
our fandom, if you like, of of tennis, the fact that we do this this job. And I and I so I thought that was quite fascinating. And I can I can relate to that. So I've always enjoyed um being in a leadership position for for whatever reason I do. And um and so I think it's important to um to recognise that that you know sometimes if you've got that the key thing with work is to ensure that maybe we're not lucky enough to be like David Law and Catherine Whitaker that can earn money in what is effectively their hobby and make their hobby of tennis their their job. But actually we need to ensure that where we're working is is ticking the boxes of what we're actually really good about. And that doesn't mean we have to have a high powered job. It does I'm lucky enough to be to say a leader of a of a relatively decent sized organization but actually i think i'd still love it if i was leading a team of two or three people and we were doing we were doing something that was insignificant and small but it was still a role for me that involved involved leadership so leadership is the thing that i really um, enjoy and what i feel is my sweet spot from a from a work perspective so when I thought about this, how do I work smarter, not harder? What I what what and this is also coming out of the pandemic. So what has the pandemic taught me about that? Well, in the pandemic, what we had, what I had to do, was furlough all my staff because my business went from a ten million pound turnover to a zero turnover because you know health clubs and day spas and they just completely shut. So we had to furlough all bar four of our staff and there was four of us that were just left working. So my role kind of required me to get involved in a whole raft of things that I wouldn't normally do because um, you know, others would normally be doing it, but they were now, they were now furloughed. Um, and so, and, and that was a, you know, that's a very unusual situation and that's a pandemic and that was a need, needs must. And I think what I found hard uh, transitioning back in the post-pandemic world now that we're back up and open is kind of getting back into focusing on the things that I need to do. Um, I don't mind working long hours. I've always worked long hours. And I think it's important that I um, continue to set an example, that I that I continue to, to work hard and, and demonstrate to the to all the teams and people that work for me that you know at the end of the day if I'm not prepared to go the extra mile then why should they so so I think that's important that I continue to do that I think of course I've got to ensure that I give adequate time to my family and to stuff that I do outside of work and that's fine but I don't think that's part of what this little podcast is about this little podcast when we talked about it I think and when we planned this was about how do we how do we make our work lives better post-pandemic not our not our out of work uh lives better it's how do we make our our lives better in work yeah and so the thing for me is that what we need to be able to do is ensure that we are delivering the outcomes so uh, the stuff that duncan's talked about with the lencioni genius's idea is is fantastic because that talks about teamwork and it talks about getting people in your team doing all the different tasks that they need to do and playing to their strengths. And and I think what I've learned through the pandemic and what I'm going to be trying to do in my work life post-pandemic is not necessarily working less hours because the type of job that I've got 
needs to be that I'm around. We are, you know, our clubs open at six in the morning and they shut at 10 o'clock at night, they're open seven days a week. So I need to be around to support people. If something goes wrong on a Saturday, then I need to step in and help. That's that's what leaders do. And that's what I've, you know, that's, that's why I need to do the role that I do. But what I need to make sure is that I drop the stuff that I've had to pick up in in lockdown because there was no one else to do it and i need to bring back a focus on on doing the things that i need to be doing and i think there's a particularly in my job where you know yeah tend stuff to stuff tends to come to me um to try and help to sort out is that i need to be more proactive and and less reactive Although there will always be an element in my job that I just have to react to something happens. Um, and I think my manifesto for a better work life in a post-COVID world is to, is to make sure that I focus on the things that I'm best at and, and bring my best game to that, to that aspect. So for yeah. me, that's the... That's the bit that I need that I need to learn is that I need to focus on being proactive and I need to make sure that I am doing the things that are in my sweet spot and that I do well and that mean that I can enjoy my job, make it feels more like it's my hobby than my work and enables me to, yeah, lead my business in the best way that I can. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. this concept you talked about just at the end there, Dave, of doing what only you can do. I mean, so true. Wouldn't that be huge for anybody if we were to say, why do we put so much time and effort and energy into doing things that other people can do? But for you, Dave, there are things in your business that only you, as Dave Cortine, as the leader, as the manager director, can do. And you need the space to do it. I need to ask you a question. that I asked you, I've known you for over 20 years, about 20 years. And I asked you this quite early on because I remember lots of times I, I used to go and sit in Dave's car and we'd drive up the motorways and I'd spend a day with him here and a day with him there and just I got to know him and his business really well. Um, and uh, the one thing that baffled me is that you, you know, like 10 million pound turnover as a business, 400 employees, all these different clubs. Dave doesn't have any kind of assistance. There isn't. Dave's assistant and I've never figured out because everybody I know who's in a position similar to you in to enable them to do what only they can do they hire an assistant to make sure all the other things get done and I've never is it a financial thing I've never figured out with you why you've never had an assistant yeah it's partly financial um that that would be true our business or you a control freak uh, well probably a bit of that our business is a contract management one, so we work on incredibly tight margins because yeah. we don't own our own facilities; we run other people's facilities, and that has been been true uh, up until the last few years, where where we've we've now got three clubs that that, that we own. Um, so I think it has been partly financial, and. I think it's also just the way that we work. So you say I don't have, I mean, I don't have a PA. Um, that's absolutely true. But I work really closely with Steve, who I co-founded the business with, and his strengths are are my weaknesses. Um, and so 
there are lots of things that Steve does that I wouldn't do. And to an extent, therefore, we probably as co-founders work on those areas and then and then therefore don't have the need for for kind of a sure. PA type type person. And you know, latterly I've got I've got Danny who's worked in our business for coming up to nearly thirty years and and who's our ops director. And again, he would do a lot of the things that that he takes quite he takes stuff from me mm. the the that he delivers on the operation side. So I think I think yeah, it's just the way that we've kind of structured our business. Um, I'm never in one place. So so I think if you have somebody as a as a PA, you tend to need to be meeting with them and seeing them on a regular basis. And 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 I'm not in yeah. any one place for long enough. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of, of all combination of reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's whatever works to get you to the place you want to get to. Yeah. Mm. Andy, listening to Dave, what, mm. what jumped out for you? Well, there were a couple of things, and the first one was so in reverse order was uh, to only do what you can do, which mm. sounds a little bit exclusive, but there's there's great wisdom I think and depth yeah. in that. Uh, the idea that um, uh, there are other aspects of of a business that can be done very well, uh, responsibly with a good level of competence by the team around you and i think what's 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 interesting i mean dave i've not known you for 20 years but um just feels like it just feels like it yeah. <laughs> just feels much longer in fact yeah is this the last season we're ever gonna do it's just gone on and Who on no, i just wanted there's one thing actually well two things that jumped out actually um the first one was um when you love what you do you're going to bring your best to whatever it is you're going to yeah. do and that could be a really tough thing to, uh, to to discover and it might change over time you know I've got a teenage son and he's an agricultural engineer and does does he does what he's doing does it really light him up well actually uh, some of the time yeah will he end up doing that indefinitely indefinitely I'm not sure um, but uh, the second thing I just want to highlight is um, you really honor the people that you work with and for Dave it's something that um, that I saw very early on and the book that you put together, the more to gain than just the game, the book's dedicated to your business partner. I think in the opening, in the first page, it says something like the ideal business partner. You honor the people that you work with and for. And I think that is huge because yeah. they know that it, it, um, it's a value that you place upon people. Yeah. So, uh, the idea of being proactive, um, that's probably a third point. Well, you are very active. No dust settles on you, Dave, that's for sure. But that was a great phrase, yeah. wasn't it? To be proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. And Dave said, of course, there are times when there's a fire burning right. and you have to react to it. Yeah. But to, 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 to step back, and that's you know going back to this genius, the genius of wonder, to have the time in your diary to, I call it kicking leaves time. Okay, margin. You know, where, yeah, yeah, you've got a bit of margin. So you're not just constantly with your hand to the plough but you've got time to stand yeah. back and say, so where are we? Where are we going? Asking some of the bigger questions. For sure. They're just really yeah. important questions to ask, aren't they? Yeah. And it's the kind of questions where, and I've been in, in, in team meetings before where you, you kind of ask the question, what everybody's leading one of three areas in my, you're either leading in an upturn. We, some, I mean, you, we were, we had a pizza before we recorded that you cooked Andy, and it was beautiful. Um, and uh, what we're talking about that. And Dave's Dave just saying right now, some of our clubs, the the, uh, the 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 buy-in to people signing up for memberships going through the roof. So 
he's in an upturn. And the first question I said to him, why is that? Do you know why it's? Because if, if you're in an upturn, you've got to know why. And like you just said, you've got to celebrate with the people who are making those things go so well. So you're either leading in an upturn or you're leading in a status quo where it's just flat. Nothing's changed. And the danger with the status quo is you're, you're, that's the precursor to demise. So you have to begin to figure that out. Or you're leading in a downturn. And things are just, for a while now, things have been going badly. And you have a responsibility as a leader to get all your team in a room, shut the door and say, we're not leaving this place until we find a solution to the problem of this downturn. Um, and day, you know, all of us are leading in those those kind of things. And, and it's, it's that kind of ability to work on the business, not just in the business, mm. that is so important. And asking those kind of questions, where are we? Upturn, status quo, downturn, yeah. where are we right now? They're the working on it, not in it kind of yeah. questions that leaders need to ask. And that, I think, as you say, Dave, that helps you to work smart, smarter, For not, sure. not just harder. For sure. And it must be so hard when you've got all those employees and all those customers, not just uh, constantly working in it, answering the phone, putting out fires. It's so hard to find that. How do you find the time to work on the business and to, to stand back and to ask the bigger questions? How do you do that? Or do you it's, do that? It's tough. Yeah. Um, I think you know you talked about the fact that and I do spend quite a bit of time in my car dry, driving around. Um, so for me, that's quite an opportunity to to be able to to think. I uh, you know walk the dog, so yeah. there's a bit of time then when I can have a bit of thinking time because because he's a great listener actually. Yeah. Um, uh, and he tends to agree with everything I say. <laughs> he's a good boy. Stanley's a good boy. Um, so. I think that helps. I think also, you know, I will spark off other ideas. So, so you know, I might go to a restaurant. Or, you know, we've just been up to to Creef, as I said. I said the Hydro Hotel there, and so you can't help but look at what they do and think, "Ooh, I knew that well. That's a great idea." And that's and working. So, that's working on it, isn't it? When yeah. you're going to see what other your com- competitors are doing, yeah. stealing ideas, being inspired. That's working on the business, not just in the business. Exactly. Um, so I think it's that, and then it's finding time to just chat through with the with the teams, which has actually been really hard. And I think, you know, it, it's it's tough. Our teams got used to being furloughed, and now they're suddenly coming back, and they've got to go at hundred miles an hour. It's it's yeah. like it's like going it's like going being having a car in the garage for twelve months, and then getting it out and trying to put it in fifth gear, and yeah. and um, and so. You know, it's grinding a bit, and it's therefore really difficult. And our managers, particularly, are just working so hard with all the new regulations and requirements to keep everything COVID secure. And they've got staff being pinged right, left, and centre. And we employ a lot of young staff, so very few of them have been double jabbed. So you know, the, it's more difficult for us to keep them in work. So yeah, it's it's tough to find those times with the managers, and I think that's been particularly post pandemic that that's really difficult. But before that, we used to be much more disciplined at finding time to just sit and have a coffee and, and just sort of chat the and with, with, yeah. with, you know, I've got two or three key managers that are, that do a fantastic job and I work really closely with them and I really yeah, enjoy yeah. that. And so we need to try and get back to find that space. But at the moment we're working out how we're going to keep the kitchen open and the, yeah. where we're going to yeah. find a therapist from. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but we get back to that. But yeah, so I think it is, it is setting those, um, it's setting those times, using those times when I'm in the car and and, and, and when ideas pop down, I carry a book with me. Mm. So, you know, even when we get together, you know, we were chatting, as you said earlier, over the pizza, there's a couple of things that you said there 
that when I got in here to, before we started recording, I thought I must just write that down because you'd trigger the thought in my mind about something that I'm working on with one of the clubs. So I've written that down so that, yeah, I've always got that book with me to just jot those ideas down. It's great. It's great. Boys, I could talk around this subject till early hours because I love it. It sparks me. Um, but time is running out and, um, uh, you know, we've got other things that we need to move on to. And so have our listeners. Uh, it's been a rich conversation. Just remind us before we go, remind us, Andy, your declaration of intent when it comes to working smarter, not harder is? Plan your best day. Plan your best day before it starts. So you're going you're gonna to plan. You're going to, you know, yeah. rather than just let it drift, you're going to plan. That's really good. Dave, what was yours? Mine, I guess, is to make sure that every day I dedicate some time to working in my sweet spot. Yeah. Be proactive, working on the things that I'm, that yeah. I'm really good at, that yeah. makes my work feel like it's my hobby. That's great. Really good. How about you, Duncan? So, yeah, I think for me, I, I'm leaning more and more into this working genius and it's trying to work within these things that are, are genius to me and to lean into the people who have other geniuses that I need yeah. in order to make a project happen. Um, so I'm, I'm devouring that kind of stuff at the moment. So listen, podcast listeners, we appreciate your company. Um, I would love to know, we would all love to know what your um, declaration of intent is. How do you work on your work and not just in your work? I'd love to know how you work smarter and not just harder. But have a great day, a great evening, wherever you are. And we would love to uh, connect with you again when the next episode of the Waggle Dance podcast comes out. But from Dave, Andy and myself, good day to you all. Bye for now. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation. And please do subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or your usual podcast provider so that you can catch every episode. Thanks for listening to the Waggle Dance Podcast and see you next time.